Where'd you find this? Yo, yo. I'm still waiting for our fucking power slap money to come through. <laughs> yeah, Dana White, right. what the fuck? <laughs> I want to put a bet on slap Jesus. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you like, I want to put a, and I'm like, oh shit, he's going to go there. <laughs> I guarantee you slap Jesus like minus 135 to win. <laughs> the whole tournament. Did you, did you watch any episodes of it? There's like a, remember like I was saying, the, the power slap house and like it's a reality reality show it's from like a year or two ago from the first season and i guess that's what leads up to this event like in april so that the event happened for that season last april and there's like another one why are we talking about power slap again god damn it sorry there's no there's no football all right so i will lose our sponsorship from power slap right now because i don't know if you guys have seen like the the fantasy discourse about like fantasy guys talking to prospects at the draft but i'm not gonna i i know like hey shane tends to advocate for violence and you know what on this one i am advocating for violence again because if some dork ass fantasy analyst asks me as a nfl football player some stupid ass questions they should get popped in the face yeah ryan i don't know if you saw that some fantasy analyst was like asking caleb williams a bunch of dumbass questions at the combine today and it wasn't even like one question it was like it was like the most loaded fucking I have this 260 character tweet I have to ask somebody with like seven different qualifiers and Caleb's like it was just a decision my family and I made. Thanks. Yep. It was and very was... it was very that Simpsons when when Homer's Poochie and the nerds are like in this episode he plays Itchy's or he plays Scratchy's ribs like a xylophone and hits the same rib twice but it clearly produces a different note like was that intentional or is this some kind of magical rib i hope someone got fired for that and you know caleb williams is just like dude i i didn't want to work out i don't fucking care i'm gonna be the first overall pick in the draft why do i have to put on compression shorts for you I don't think, dude, I hate to say it, but I think the combine is just going to be phased out one of these days. Like, it's just going to be like senior day, day two, or guys who like didn't play for the year. It's like, okay, run the 40, right? Or guys who know they can test really well, but Marvin Harrison didn't do in his interview and everyone's like, what are we doing? I'm like, who gives a shit? He already knows he's going top five. Who cares? Right. Most of these, aren't most of these guys doing these like skill tests that they have to do at the combine aren't they doing it at like their respective schools and like anyway so we're gonna get all the information from somewhere because it's like why would a quarterback throw to some dummy right like okay cool if you have something to gain you'll go to the combine if you have something yeah. to lose you'll do your pro day yeah 100 percent. so i did hear though on the way home why is he like declining to release his medical results with only teams he's planning on because why should anyone else who who the fuck cares okay like what does (laughs) buffalo matter right i didn't know like like, i didn't know if he's like there was like something from like a year ago that's still like nagging him and like maybe he's trying to keep it on the dl or something i don't know no because like the teams that need to know will know you know what i mean if they were like, he's got a torn meniscus, was he going to go to pick? He'll fall all the way to pick one still. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, episode 122. We got bits. Ryan, take it away. All right, guys. So in honor of where we're going this week, I've chosen to profile 
a season of a team. Oh. Yes. I'm not going to like make it super long because uh, it potentially can be. But uh, this season features a player that I've profiled before on this podcast, uh, Mr. Doak Walker, famous uh, halfback and kicker for the Detroit Lions. And so we're going to talk about the 1953 Detroit Lions season. Now, yeah. this is before this. This is before the Super Bowl. So if there was a Super Bowl, they would have won it this year. That year, they won the um, NF the whatever they called the NFL championship, uh, probably the NFL championship. Nailed it. Because what the Super Bowl started in what the sixties, yeah, the early sixties, mid uh, mid late sixties. I think sixty seven was the first one. Okay, so let's see. We had uh, quarterback Tom Dublinsky. We had, of course, Doak Walker. Back then, there was a lot of running still, so there was only two listed wide receivers on that team: Cloyce Box and Leon Hart. But this team ranked fifth that year in the NFL in scoring offense. Yeah, Bobby Lane was actually the starting quarterback for that that for that team, not Tom Dablinski. Um he compiled 2431 yards total offense, 2088 passing and 343 rushing. He also had 16 passing touchdowns. Uh Doak Walker had 839 yards from scrimmage. This is a halfback, right? So only 337 of those yards were, were from rushing. 502 of them were from receiving. Damn, peep our machine. He was also the leading scorer with 93 points and five touchdowns because, like I said, he was also the kicker. So, like I said, he got touchdown points and kicking points. He had 12 field goals and 27 extra points that year. And he was not even the lead rusher, Bob. Uh, Hornschmeyer was the team's leading rusher, uh, getting 482 yards and 282 yards receiving. Um, also had nine touchdowns. Damn. Yeah. They had the second-ranked uh, defense that year. Um, let's see. Week one, they played Pittsburgh. The first touchdown was uh, an intercepted pass, and the Lions returned it for a 73-yard touchdown. Sick. Detroit Freak Press said that uh, rookie linebacker Joe Schmidt was making tackles all over the field, and he held the Steelers to only 96 rushing yards in that game. Wow. Not single-handedly, but the Detroit defense on the whole. But he was a big part of it. So they won that game. Uh, they ended up 10-2 and on the season. Week 2, they played Baltimore. There was a return punt, a 74-yard punt return touchdown. So that's two games in a row with... Uh, a defensive touchdown. Tom Dublinski, uh scored the game-winning touchdown. Yeah, week three, they played Frisco. Yeah, they won that game. Week four, they played Los Angeles, and they lost that game to L.A. West Coast bias, man. Yeah. Joke Walker, although in that game, made two field goals of 40 and 35 yards. Uh, week five, they played Frisco again, and they won fourteen to ten. Week six, they played LA. They lost to LA again, thirty-seven to twenty-four. New daddy alert! I'm saying. Week seven, they played uh, Baltimore. 
and they won that game 17 to 14. Uh, week eight, Green Bay, they won 14 to seven. Harley Sewell and Bobby Forte were ejected um, from that game in the fourth quarter because it was it was pretty close uh, for just fighting each other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, week nine, they played uh, Chicago in an FC North matchup again, uh, and won twenty to sixteen. Classic Bears, um, and also in classic Bears fashion, uh, Doak Walker scored all of Detroit's twenty points that game. Just Did FYI, this guy just like play the whole game by himself. It was like one v eleven. So yeah, so yeah, he made all the points in that game. The Bears actually took a sixteen to team. 16 to 10 lead at one time on a 50 yard pass from George Blanda to Bill McColl. Let's see. And that, but then Walker got his second field goal. Lions took the lead in the fourth quarter after another long field goal. And then Walker scored the game winning touchdown, two yard run monster. And that was a season high uh, game for them. They had 447 total yards, classic bears. I'm looking at um, fantasy points on the season, and running back 40 was A.J. Dillon. Where Whoa. would you? I know. Where would you draft A.J. Dillon if he was also his team's kicker? Um, I think he would have been better than the Packers kicker this year, so probably like seventh round. Well, that would depend. That would depend on if they're giving him kicking points too, right? It's Taysom Hill bullshit time. So, like, the, the kicker for Green Bay put up 115 points, and A.J. Dillon had 95, so that'd be, like, 200-something, and that would put him top 10. Yikes. There you go. If you're a bad running back, you should just be your team's kicker as well, and you'll be fantasy relevant. Hey, Dare Ungobale last year. Let's go. Uh, so then they had Week 10 in Green Bay. They won 34-15. to 15. Week 11, uh, again, against Chicago. They won 13 to 7. Yes. And then uh, with game 12 against uh, New York in New York, they clinched the NFL Western Division Championship with a 27 to 16 victory. Walker ran uh, 50 yards for a touchdown in the third quarter. Yeah. And they, they clinched the victory. And then in the 1953 NFL Championship game, um, they played the Cleveland Browns in Detroit. Um, there was actually almost 55,000 people at this game. Wow. That's crazy for the fifties. They won that game, uh, which was probably a pretty boring game. It was 17 to 16, one touchdown in the first quarter, two field goals by either team in the second quarter, a touchdown, um, by, uh, Cleveland in the third quarter and then two field goals and a touchdown. Uh, two field goals by Cleveland and a touchdown by Detroit to end the game 17 to 16. At the end of the season, uh, the Lions voted offensive guard Dick Stanfell as the team's most valuable player for some reason. Boring. I don't know why it wasn't Doak Walker, right? Let's see. We had Doak Walker, Dick Stanfell, Bobby Lane, Yale Larry, Lou Creekmer, Jack Christensen, Les Bingaman. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys all make the Pro Bowl from that team that year. Um, yeah. That's important back then because if you didn't make the Pro Bowl, you were eligible to go to Korea. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and 
from that team also as well six members of that team are in the hall of fame uh bobby lane jack christensen joe smith yale larry lou creekmer dick stanfell and doak walker that's a lot of hall of famers yeah and that was i was just interested to see this week what the detroit lions best season was and that's a pretty rough summary i mean you're a fucking double no. agent, bro. I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> if Walker's gotten to you, you're like, I like that well, Walker. We're going, back, we're going back to Michigan this week, so. Okay, that's fair. Um, all right, so the 1953 so Detroit Lions? 1953 Detroit Lions. That was a good year for Lions football. Um, Shane, you mind if I go next? I got a list. Yeah. All right, so... Last week, I kind of brushed against this topic while we were talking, and I was hit with a resounding save it for the Discord from Shane. (laughs) And this week, I'm responding with an empathetic no. Uh, We could be getting news on a Justin Fields trade any moment now, and when that happens, it will go with it, one of the easiest Bears to root for, and a guy who is most definitely in the top three of all-time Bears quarterbacks in terms of talent. The hope is that Caleb Williams becomes the best quarterback in Bears history. So I decided to take my time this week to talk a little bit about some of the worst, most hilarious, and most noteworthy Bears quarterbacks from this cursed fucking franchise. See, this is a good spin. This is a good discourse of saving it for the pod instead of the discord. (laughs) All right, hang on. I'm starting with heat, all right? I'm bringing heat. The, a Bears quarterback played for the Bears from 1925 to 1928. His name was Milton Romney, who is Mitt Romney's dad's cousin and the namesake for Mitt. What? Yeah, I suck. already hate this. I already hate He's, this. Well, yep. You, you got any numbers? No. They don't have any of his numbers. <laughs> Two. Two passes. He did right. not go to Colob. That's all that matters. <laughs> all right. So, uh, Charlie O'Rourke who still holds the Bears' rookie record for touchdown passes with 11. Wow, that's it? He set that in 1942. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God, Kyle Orton. He sucked, right? <laughs> All right, Mike Holovac. Now, I did uh, a segment on the cursed 1992 Houston Oilers team. He was the general manager for that team. Oh, well, yeah, wow. He played for the Bears, where he sucked. And also, he fought in World War II and sank nine Japanese boats. Wow. That's pretty impressive. With his fist? Who knows, dude? (laughs) With with Buddy Ryan's old wrinkled fist. Number four. Steel steel footballs. (laughs) Number four, Jack Concannon. Played for the Bears for four years. He was arrested for selling a kilo of coke to an undercover cop in Schaumburg, Illinois. Uh, also acted in the movie version of MASH, not the show. I will say, though, that guy's got a cool-ass name. He went down for a cool-ass reason, and he had a cool-ass arc. Yeah, he sucked, though. Yeah, and it was in Schomburg. Yeah, right? Bob Chin's crab house over here. (laughs) Number five, Virgil Carter. Virgil Carter actually helped create the metric that we still use today, expected points added, EPA. He helped create that with people from Northwestern University in the early 1970s. EPA itself is a useful stat, but Carter, he's he sucked. He's trying to make his numbers look better, you know. Yeah, I mean, overall, net net gain, 
Uh, number six, Jim McMahon, quarterback for the Super Bowl Bears. Noteworthy because he hated Mike Ditka. And also, he would ignore play calls from the sideline. Pretty cool. That's the move. Oh, yeah. And actually, Shane, I don't know if you know this, but this is pretty big Chicago football lore. He ended up going and being like Brett Favre's third string backup for a couple of years in Green Bay. And when Green Bay went to visit the White House after winning a Super Bowl, he wore his Bears jersey under his sport coat. I think you've mentioned that to me at least one time. Legendary. That fucking, that fucking rules. He also could have like not been uh, getting the calls on the field too, because he's a notorious uh, pill addict during his heyday in the NFL. Like he was taking like a hundred pills a day. So Kurt Angle type beat. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was Perk Perk McMahon. Uh, he's a legend. <laughs> he's a legend in these parts, but objectively, yeah, he he kind of sucked. Uh, that's heresy. My mom will be calling me immediately. Number seven, <laughs> Rusty Lish is widely considered, depending on who you ask, either the worst quarterback in NFL history or the worst overall player in NFL history. Overall player? In his career, he threw one t- one touchdown and 11 interceptions. What? And uh, that one touchdown was a one-yard touchdown when they were down by, like, 30 points. Hell yeah. In a 1984 game where both McMahon and backup quarterback Steve Fuller were out of the game with injuries... Lish was put in and was so bad that he was benched for running back Walter Payton in the second half. Like, fuck yes. it, dude. We're, we're running the Wildcat. Well, Payton, <laughs> Payton could throw, but... Yeah, yeah. So, so there was a 2020 ESPN article talking about how bad, historically, the Bears quarterbacks are. And they revealed that at one point in, the, in that game, he, they were like, all right, Lish, get back in. And he's like, no. I'm not coming back in because Ditka had yelled at him so much. And on the flight home, Lish was reading the Bible on the plane and Ditka walked up to him and said, quote, I hope there's something in that book about job opportunities because you'll need one on Monday. Damn. Oh, he never played another snap. Uh, let's see. Henry Burris. Henry Burris would become a hall of famer in Canada at quarterback and coach. And he was all over the place. In all of the pro football that he played, he threw for 63,576 yards. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, 207 of those came for the Bears. Yes. (laughs) So uh, he didn't suck, but when he played for the Bears, he absolutely sucked. Uh, Number nine, and this is only a list of 10, so we're not going too long here. Jay Cutler, who is clearly the best quarterback this franchise has ever had. (laughs) He was brought over in exchange for Kyle Orton, two first-round picks, and a second. Oh, my God. Uh Uh-huh. And he started his Chicago career by throwing four interceptions against Green Bay in his first game. Okay, like, how bad was the suicide hotline on that Sunday, right? Like, for every Bears fan. Like, like, that's, like, worse than the rust trade. I I know the rust trade was bad because of money, but, like, that's like a generational fucking put you behind the eight ball trade. Well, well, actually, like the problem wasn't that Jay was bad; it's that Jay always got hurt. They made it to the Super Bowl in in oh five oh six with Rex Grossman, but there was a team with Jay on it that had very serious deep playoff potential, and they were like seven and three. And he threw an interception and like broke his thumb trying to make the tackle. Against the Chargers. What was that? 
Was that like aught 14, 15, something like no, that? No, no, that was like aught 9, aught 10. Oh, was that early? Yeah. So, uh, so he had his Don't moments. Don't be the hero. Exactly. He had his moments, but uh, overall, he, he sucked. Last but not least, Mike Glennon. Oh, wow. Famous backup. Well, Mike Glennon was signed to be the Bears starter. Uh, in 2017, kind of like how the Bears signed Andy Dalton to be their starter and drafted Justin Fields. Mike Glennon was signed, um, and they drafted Mitch Trubisky. In 2017, Glennon signed a three-year, $45 million contract with the Bears, where he played for four games before being benched for Mitchell Trubisky and would never play another snap for the team. He threw for a total of 833 yards for Chicago, which is $54,021.60 per passenger. God, that fucking rules. (laughs) You want to talk about Bobby Bonilla Day? That's fucking... God bless him. So, uh, good luck, Caleb. That's all I got. Have fun. Godspeed. Yep. No, dude. No, dude. This is going to be the guy that breaks it, that breaks the mold. Come on. Oh, man. Ryan Ryan with the hope. (laughs) Remember remember when... Where's Waleed Waleed when you need him? Remember, Fuck, do not start him on this. You remember when we uh, said the same thing about Justin? Anyways, Shane? Hey, at least at least yeah. Ryan can pivot to the Lions really easily, right? He's like, hey, I've already ingrained myself as a fan. We're fucking chilling. Next yeah. three seasons, we're good. All right, I got another list. Uh, um, I like football. Everyone deserves some respect, you know? That's true. Most. Um, but not the owners, because we're going to talk some shit on the owners, because this is like my favorite part of the, the NFL Packers. season. we got report cards this week yeah so the nfl football the nfl players association brought out uh, report cards for the franchises so i'm gonna give brief anecdotes on things that i thought were funny or really sad so we can all have a commiseration with people who we have wealth that we will never touch at the end of the day because our bosses truly don't give a fuck about us and view us all as cannon fodder and these these report cards shane they just like uh look at like their business numbers and like it's all like players like interviews so like they fill out like a sample of like hey like how's your facilities how do you like like your travel how's the food okay right off the gate or right out of the gate arizona cardinals the rating for the cafeteria improved from last year because players no longer have to pay for dinner from the facility they went from an f to a d this year Atlanta falcons some feel that toilets are more toilets are needed and ventilation in the bathroom itself is poor Damn, I wonder who's taking the nasty oh. shits in Atlanta. Was it? No, it was Arthur Arth- Smith. Yeah. yeah, it's Arthur Smith. <laughs> so, Buffalo Bills. Players are frustrated by the seating on the team plane. Staff members get priority over the players who are mostly assigned to smaller economy seats where most of the bigger players don't actually fit in the seats. That's bullshit. Wow. Oh, my God. Carolina Panthers, David Tepper's decision to change their home stadium from grass to turf, while 100% of the players on the roster said they prefer to play on the grass. He received a D. What an asshole. Cincinnati Bengals, real poverty franchise, as I was doing more research on this. They They are one of only four teams that do not offer either a family room or daycare on game day. Sit your little ass kids in the stadium. (laughs) Yeah, you gotta go fucking uh, sit in the parking lot. Gotta buy them a box. So they're also the only team that closes their cafeteria for their players on their off day, even though many of the players come to the facility on their off days for extra preparation and recovery. 
The club did begin to provide three meals a day on Wednesdays only this year, but they are only one of two teams in leagues that do not provide three meals a day for each of their players. That's so insane. Why would you not want that? They said approximately 50% of the showers do not work. They either do not provide warm water or there's not enough water pressure. They face consistent plumbing issues that limit the amount of functioning toilets that players can use. Interesting. Cleveland Browns. Wait, who's taking the nasty (laughs) shit in Cincinnati? Uh, Joe Burrow. (laughs) (laughs) It's all that Skyline Chili eats. Yeah, those got to be some nasty shits out there. (laughs) Uh, Cleveland Browns, the post-game family meetup area is in a tent in the parking lot, which doesn't really work (laughs) when it's in the winter. Jacksonville Jaguars, they just renovated their whole setup, but they just started offering daycare on game day. But however, most players view it as unreliable and not worth bringing their kids to. Unreliable? Like, like is the lady out for a smoke? Like, I guess. Yeah. Okay, four o'clock, six o'clock. Who knows? Whatever time I feel like coming and leaving. I'm on break. So, Kansas City Chiefs, the team finally provided actual chairs for each player to use at their lockers. The issue, however, is that the players feel the team promised much more than what was delivered. The original plan was for them to do a full renovation of the locker room during the 22 season. However, the team never followed through because apparently they quote unquote won too many games and prolonged the the window for renovations. Holmes and Kelsey wanted, like, lazy boys. Yeah. So some players say they're unreliable to get rehab done and prepare for practice and reference for overall lack of, overall lack of care for the team. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders gave former head coach Josh McDaniels the lowest head coaching score in the league. Only, yep. 39, only 39% of the players felt that Josh McDaniels was efficient with their time. 32nd overall, he was also ranked least likely to listen to the locker room for any NFL head coach. That Patriot way, baby. Oh, my God. Wait, he doesn't have a job right now, does he? Uh, No, because Bill Belichick is not a head coach. That's what I'm saying. He's not a coach anymore, so Josh McDaniels is going to have fucking nothing now. Oh, man. God forbid he's got $50 million to hang out with. Yep. LA Chargers. The team charges $75 for the first child and $50 for each additional child per family on daycare. The team also refuses to send an equipment truck ahead of time um, after the games, causing them to sit on the tarmac while the plane gets loaded and unloaded every time. Jesus. New England Patriots. They are only one of four teams that do not offer either a family room or daycare. They are also the only team in the NFL with a majority of players feeling that their team's facility is worse than places they can train offside on. Robert Robert Kraft is cashed. He does not give a fuck anymore. Nope. I bet their massage uh, area is really nice, though. (laughs) That's a jerk shack joke. <laughs> I will say this. Josh McDaniels, um, looking at his coaching stats, pretty solid amount of challenges. He, he challenges a lot of plays. That's all he got. I mean, he's not good, but, <laughs> but like he challenged a lot of stuff. Speaking of challenge, New Orleans Saints, they're only one of two teams that do not provide their players with three meals a day. Uh New York Giants players unanimously responded they do not playing on the synthetic surface in line with 92% number league-wide. Responding players commented that they would believe the surface puts them for additional risk of injury, and we all know that stadium is cursed. Uh, New York Jets is like peak um, franchise corporate shit because some players are frustrated that corporate partners have field passes pregame, but players can't get their significant others or children to come down before the game. (laughs) 
Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow. They're only one of four teams that do not offer either a family room or daycare on game day. Uh, Tampa Bay. This one's actually like was really surprising to me. So the players described the locker rooms as unclean, smelly, and they cited that they see bugs consistently in the showers. They also described that the team's sauna is dirty, small, and broken down while smelling like mildew. Younger players must what? have roommates to work on travel or on work travel unless they pay the team $1,750 for their own room each season. They do not have a daycare room on day- on game days, but do charge families do charge players families $90 per child. I mean, the oh. first couple parts it sounds like a rustic sleepaway camp, but like <laughs> at the end it kind of, they kind of lost me there. This sounds like the Commanders. Which is next. So when asked what the number one issue respondents wanted to prioritize for fixing, most players could not come up with just one. Instead, the common answer was the entire facility. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh my God. And, and, most, and most of them were pretty like chill. Like, hey, listen, we know we got new owners. Like, we expect a little bit of time to happen, but like, can we please get it going? And the common thing that I learned through all of this is that if you want a stable career, go into sports medicine or physical therapy because almost every single team said that they needed more physical therapists or training staff. Mm-hmm. Really? Yep. And that's the NFL grades for this season. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I like those, those facts. You got to bring that back uh, next year, Shane. We touched a little on it last year. This is my psyop brain of like they released those right before the combine so nobody actually remembers that shit. It's all smoke and mirrors. Right. And and hopes it gets clouded over you. I mean, NFL conspiracy theories, they're important, man. Like, I'm convinced the Super Bowl only exists to take Americans' attention away from Vietnam. Or current events. Current events. Um, all right. So, we got bits. Let's move on. We got a bunch more stuff to talk about today. So, let's talk our dynasty buys and sells. Uh, Ryan... I'd like it if you'd start with your dynasty buy or sell of the week. I'd like to see what I can get for Josh Allen. Whoa. Oh, man. I know, I know, I messed up, and I probably should have sold him a year or two ago. But I still think he's like, he's, I think his value has only gone up, to be honest. Like, I, I would take him over Patrick Mahomes in dynasty. I would too. Okay. I would too. I mean, um, you got to get three firsts. I don't even think it's a matter of picks at that point. I think it's a matter of players. I think you honestly have to, like, if you're tearing down to, like, a quarterback, you have to get, like, depending on what you're getting, right? Sure. Like, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Brandon Ayuk, and, like, a first, right? Like, I think that's kind of, like, yeah. the thing. Or, like, or like maybe a first and a second and a, and a you know, mid-tier quarterback. If you're gonna like, give me a, a one and a two for for Josh Allen, that player that I get better be like CD Lamar Lamb. Jackson. Yeah, Jim or Burrow. Lamar. Yeah. Justin Herbert. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like it would it would take me needing at least like a top twelve wide receiver, Brock Purdy, and like a first move off of Josh Allen. Like I feel like he's one of those assets like you just can't get rid of because like he's still young, offense is still cooking, he still puts up insane numbers. Like and the Bills are building the team around him, so you know he's gonna yeah. be around for a while. I think if your team is like ravaged at depth, I think he's a good piece of like I shouldn't have to take everything down, but if like you have so many holes in your roster and you can tear down and still get like 
three top 12 or one top 12 and like three top 24 guys. Like, I think that's enough to like pad your depth with guys who you believe can increase in value. I, I asked for, I asked on Twitter a couple days ago, I said, give me the worst dynasty orphan you can find. I want that. <laughs> I want that team. And I was like, I want a team where like they got no picks this year and their best player is KJ Osborne. Was that right? inspired by the discord? One no, no, guy... I, I oh, just God. wanted to, I just wanted to do it because like I want to, I the more second round picks I have in dynasty drafts, the harder I scout every year. That's sure. how it works. And I'm like, I'll just strip it for parts and get seconds and see what I can do. So I got offered one and I looked at it and there's a lot of like decent parts on there. And he's like, do you want it? It's 25 bucks. It's a bunch of fantasy writers on Twitter. And I'm like, sure. The quarterbacks are Patrick Mahomes and Anthony Richardson. I'm like, this team is so far from cooked. How is this a bad roster? Is this an eight-team league or what? Because this is dynasty. Okay. This is football writer dynasty brain of I need to win in two years because I blew my load and it, I fucked up and it makes me look bad. And for mental right. health reasons, I have to take my, my, uh, my league countdown. So the, so the reason why I say that, Ryan, is because, like, when we're talking Mahomes, Allen, and Hurts, and, and maybe Caleb, I don't know, like, those are dudes where if you're like, you know what, I want to rebuild, just fucking pick your shit. Just pick your shit. Sure. Like, there are so few um, trade, there's so few things that someone's going to say, sorry, I'm not willing to pay that for Josh Allen. If you're selling Josh Allen, it should be part of like a major rebuild. What what did Phil buy Josh Allen for last year? Like 108, Terry McLaurin and like some bullshit. Something insane. Right. Like it never hurts to shoot your shot in Dynasty. Like it, yeah. especially like a top five player. And like some players will be or some managers will be like, ah, that's too much, right? But it's like you never know. Sometimes people they they believe that asset will take them over the top. And I don't know. We've talked about it numerous times. Like when you're getting rid of 108 to 112, what the fuck is that pick really? Like that's why I don't like trading players straight for picks anymore, or at least like top tier stuff. Like getting three picks in a row is like very detrimental unless that team just collapses, right? If you can like pinpoint right. like, okay, this team has a window of like their running back room is built from 2019 of like they got Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, Derek Carr, and Rogers. Then you're like, okay. They might win and run one more, but that team is ravaged the next two years. I would like their first going forward, but like, I don't know. You you have to look at the ecosystem. It's it's a big puzzle. You got to figure out. But like Tony said, it's you can. Uh, I have a list of trades involving Josh Allen. Uh, one that went through on the twenty fifth of February. Josh Allen and a round three pick for Justin Herbert and AJ Brown. That's not terrible. I would like a little more, but that's just me. Yep, Josh Allen for. Four first round picks in the 2024 draft. Does it say, does it have the numbers or no? No. I would need like 101, 104, and like 107, 108. Right. Like don't be hitting it, me with, don't be hitting me with that, that turn bullshit. Um, this okay. one, this one I don't like at all. Um, Josh Allen and Michael Wilson from Arizona for Kyler Murray, Tank Dell, and a 2025 first. That's someone who believes Tank Dell can be a top five wide receiver. Sure. Sure. And then this last one is a fucking mess. I just want to, this is a fucking mess. All right. Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, 
Antonio Gibson, Rashad Bateman, and Sky Moore. Ouch. Four, Josh Allen and Mac Hollins. That's wow. is that a golf league? Like that's just <laughs> this is what I tell people when you're throwing shit on the wall. Like this is just KTC traders and people who are like, oh, it looks fair in the calculator, good to go. Like that's fucking four nickels for five dollars. Right? I I I think that the most reasonable picks are the four firsts and the Herbert and AJ Brown. I think that's kind of yeah. what if if you're trading, if you're moving off Allen, that's probably what you can expect. Yeah. But I don't wow. think he's a wrong person to sell. I think he's a, another one of those people of like he's a good pivot if your team is not in the right structure. Yep. All right, Shane, you want to go next? Yeah. So I'm not sure if we've discussed the actual nesting doll theory of wide receivers on this podcast. I know we talk about it all the time in the Discord, but um, we'll give a quick refresher on game theory. So you have five wide receivers. All of them are generally have the same output of points within a tier. They can give you approximately 14 points per game. The difference between these players is their ADP or dynasty value. So we personally want the cheapest players who will give us the highest point output and have that ability to accrue in value or potentially win your championship, which are the whole reasons why we play dynasty, right? Um, so my guy as of right now in my perception of the nesting doll theory is the king of the nesting doll the the outer shell and the biggest egg you can crack open and still kind of get the same amount of value in my opinion wide receiver 10 on ktc end of third round startup pick jalen waddle okay okay so i know i pounded the drum to sell dk metcalf last year on name value and i think we're we kind of approached that with that point on Waddle with me. Um, I sold my share last year, which would which amounted to walking away from Jameer Gibbs and Jamo to get CD Lamb and what ended up being the 106 this year and Zach Charbonnet. Um, the league man, that manager also quit the league, Lameo. <laughs> Suck it. So I'm not saying Waddle isn't a top 10 talent in the NFL, but what I'm saying is his ceiling of a top 10 producer in the NFL in the wide receiver position as well as a fantasy output is severely capped in my opinion. So even though 23 was a down year fantasy wise from his production was still at a really good level while missing time and playing hobbled for most of the year behind Tyreek. So he did see an increase in targets and receptions compared to 22. He just had a down year based on yards per reception and touchdowns. So the team pivoted to exploiting Tyreek and the running game the whole time. So his role basically changed on the team to an intermediate to chunk field player instead of the home run play which is fine in fantasy, but the price we pay in this point to output is kind of too rich for me of a top three dynasty pick or a top three round pick and being like, oh, I get wide receiver 20, right? Yep. So he was 32nd in air yard share, 63rd in average depth per target, 54th in deep targets, and 14.2 fantasy points per game, which like is a fine number, but for a guy you're basically paying wide receiver one to wide receiver two prices, like that's a flex position. Yeah, you could have gotten that with Michael Pittman. Yeah, so the bright side is he was 8th in yards per route run and 12th in yards after the catch. So I know that or that running back room and that O-line is looking pretty suspect this year, so the pivot might not have to be undone on that offense, but it could be wrong um, as we could see a potential resurgence in Jalen Waddle. But for a guy who's finished wide receiver 17, wide receiver 7, and wide receiver 34, asking for top 10 production is a little hard for me uh, in a realistic lens. So in startup value, Jalen Waddle is right after pick 104, which could be a couple guys. It could be Jalen Daniels or Jaden Daniels. It could be Drake May. It could be uh, Malik Neighbors. Uh, he's after Chris Olave, Tua, Jonathan Taylor, 105, ahead of Kyron, Etienne, Brandon Ayuk, Trey McBride, and Devon A. Chain. 
So this is kind of the king of the big ass blob of like, damn, that's not that bad, but I have to pay how much for this? So you could take the lottery of Bowers or Dunze and maybe neighbors, depending on where he lands or the board shift with QBs being drafted and going up on fantasy uh, yeah. uh, NFL draft or sorry, fantasy drafts for your dynasties. Um, but I do think I'd be pick, trading up in a package with a pick to try to nail down a top five wide receiver, top 10 quarterback, or put my myself in a position to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. with that type of return. Um, so like Jalen Waddle plus 109 seems like something so you could convince someone to do of like, sure. hey, here's a mystery box and I get the bigger mystery box. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, just kind of my philosophy on like, hey, here's a name value guy of like a dude who can still give people a good perception of points, but also like game to game it's going to be frustrating yeah absolutely um so we have a josh allen more like i see ryan as less of a sell and more of like a price check yeah test the waters yeah yeah you ran it under the little barcode reader at the supermarket so anybody who's in this league with ryan who listens to this don't be coming with that weak shit yeah right uh so josh allen a price check we have a sell on Jalen waddle I'm buying, baby. I'm buying. I'm ready. All right, here we go. So I'm going to talk about some ludicrousness right now. I want to talk about last year's 101 Bryce Young, who per keep trade cut is quarterback 20 right now. 2-0. And per the Dynasty Data Lab startup chart, he's going in round seven of super flex drafts. Um, I know. That's like two rounds below Jared Goff and like one round above Aaron Rodgers. Wait, Shane, what were, what were some of the, what were some of the working conditions in Carolina? What, what did they have complaints about? I forgot. Uh, the, the owner, the field. Yeah. The yeah. field. Oh yeah. He, they actually got like pretty decent reviews for like being an LOL fantasy team, but like as an overall franchise and that owner being a dickhead, like they were pretty decent. Yep. All right. So I could be on this Bryce Young train then. Well, because the, the fact that I said that and both of you guys just left me with a little bit of dead air tells me that you need some convincing. So let's do it. Dave Canales. He was quarterback 29 last year uh, in fantasy points per game while maneuvering around the worst offense in the league. So I'm going to go through the Panthers' target leaders in order, and then I'm going to tell you where they ranked in target separation, which is how open they were. I'm clo- I'm closing my ears when it comes to Jonathan Mingo. I'm just not going to listen. Adam Thielen led the team in targets, and he was 49th in target separation. Uh, Jonathan Mingo was second, oh. and, he, and he was 67th in target separation. DJ, okay. Ch- DJ Chark was 86th in target separation. Um, Chuba Hubbard and Miles Sanders were next. I don't count target separation for running backs, because why would I? And last but not least... Terrace Marshall, who was 118th in target separation. Man, my first year of Dynasty, I tried to trade a second for that fucker. Dude, he was good in college. He was real good. So, um, Bryce was 35th in yards per attempt, 20th in dot. He had a bottom 10 offensive line, and we know he was not put in a position to succeed. Carolina's in the middle of the pack in terms of available cap space. And so they enter into an offseason and draft with a ton of prospects at tackle and receiver. So I would imagine that this offense looks totally different at the start of next year in terms of talent. Like Shane alluded to, I'm a huge believer in Dave Canales, who was the architect behind the revivals of both Geno Smith and Baker Mayfield. 
Uh, Mayfield had an 8 out of 9 last year. Geno was at 8.3 in 2022. While I know that Bryce doesn't have Metcalf, Lockett, Evans, or Godwin, I still expect a serious investment at wide receiver, and I don't think that room could look any worse than it did last year. Uh, they have here's some free agent options. Um, Higgins and Pittman, I think, are both Higgins is franchised. I know Ursay said like we're keeping Michael Pittman, but all of these next guys are all better than anything Bryce had to work with last year. Mike Evans, Hollywood Brown, Calvin Ridley, Gabe Davis, Darnell Mooney. Those are all unrestricted free agents that would make Bryce's life a lot easier. Hopefully the third and long wide receiver screens will be gone. Maybe someone can get open for once. And uh, even if he only takes a small step forward this year, I think the arrow is going to be pointing up for Bryce. And I want in while he's that cheap. So my buy of the week is Bryce Young. Interesting. You said he's round seven, correct? Yeah. So round seven has the suite of picks of 109 to 111. I'm saying, like, that you're telling me that Bryce Young is worth J.J. McCarthy? Like, fuck it, dude. Quarterback 20, I'm in at that price point. Like, Oh, he's right. He's right after 108. And right now, he's pick 606. I'm taking Yeah, that. I'm... For a dude who was 103, 104 last year, like he's pretty insulated. But also, if you want out, like I don't blame people because you can trade him for Stefan Diggs, Debo, uh, KW. But, I don't know, man. I'm a sucker. For, I'm a sucker for buying low. So I want Bryce Young. Um, I think did not see that curveball coming this week. I know. And let's so let's pivot. We've got Josh Allen's price check, Jalen Waddle sell, a Bryce Young buy.